obviously on the prompt. <laughs> he has a thing for biting other players, and it's it's just weird. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is July 2nd, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett and Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, guys. Hey. I threw you both off there, didn't I, by announcing yeah. you at the same time. Hmm. How are we? Are we? Is everybody well today? We have a huge show. Big, big show lined up today. Well, it's pretty hot in Rome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm recording with my window open. So if you hear <laughs> neighbors uh, going crazy or screaming, they usually don't. But you know, you never know. So yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty well, Mike. How are you in uh, in uh, Britannia? Very good. I'm in a upgraded studio this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Meaning you moved bedrooms? There's, you don't need to like you know. <laughs> I know. You no, can, I'm excited. Thank you. You sound good. Thank you. you. Good. Thank you. You bought you bought a chair, right? Uh, yep. So when I do this. So you don't hear me oh. anymore when I go away from the microphone like that. Hi, guys. Hey. So there's how, no, no um, more creaking. How hot is it in Celsius in Rome, Federico? Um, so in Celsius, it's like um, uh, 28, which in your um, thing should be... 2,000. 80, 82. Yeah, so it's uh, it's 89 Fahrenheit, 32 Celsius here. So I am... Also, also hot. No, I'm perfectly fine, guys. Well, it's because it rains all the time. Yeah, because you hasn't, don't see the sun. Hasn't rained Mike. and has been sunny. You don't see the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Mike lives in a cave. <laughs> uh, well, I know this is why people tune into a very popular Apple podcast, listen about the weather. So maybe we should just move into follow-up. Follow-up. Mike. Hello. Last week, we spoke about Google I.O., Yep, and we had a little couple minutes talking about Google TV. So, Google has uh, announced a new version of Google TV, and we spoke a lot about the idea of like Google TV being embedded on your television sets. Like you go buy a Logitech or a Sony television at Best Buy or whatever, and Google TV is like baked in. Talked about that versus the idea that Apple and Amazon use of it's a separate, you know, $100 box that you plug in with HDMI and the software lives kind of outside of the television. Mm-hmm. We had we had a lot of follow up on this. Yeah, so it turns out I forgot that there was one Sony TV that included Google TV and it turns out the rest of the world remembered. So, <laughs> so, yes, so. this is the one with the crazy remote, right? Yes. The, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Can we find a we got to find a picture of that remote. It's it's like something, so a friend of mine actually owned this, and I had this flashback when I was looking at this Wikipedia article that's in the show notes. This remote was so bad. It's like, it's like if you learn how to make things, like a, you're an industrial designer. This is like what they teach you on the first day of school not to build. It's, it's like if, covered, a, if, a, it's, if a drunk Blackberry designer created a remote. <laughs> It's covered in buttons. There are literally buttons on every, almost every surface of this thing. So it's, it's I remembered this product, but I forgot that it was Sony. I thought that this was the Logitech one, but I think the Logitech one was a bit more sensible. So yeah, there was. I think it seemed like there was one TV. Um, but I still stand by my my sort of claim that 
it's better to have a range of TVs by a few different manufacturers this time. However, right. yes, Stephen, I was wrong to say that you were wrong. There was one television set that right. did include Google TV baked in. And I, I listened back to the show, and you know, I think I think you and I were kind of speaking past each other a little bit. I I think my my opinion is that I think that a puck, you know, a little hundred dollar box. That's better for consumers, and I think you're saying that embedded is better for the manufacturer of the software. Yeah. Oh, I agree, hundred so, percent. Yeah, embedded. so I think we were just—I wanted to make that clear because listening back, like I, I was, like sort of like, "Come on, Stephen and Mike, say it, say it," and we never said it. So that's right. that's what I think we meant. Yeah, um, I, like embedding it in TVs is better for Google because it means that they have more chance of getting into people's homes. Something that you can upgrade or it only costs you $99 and you can put it to the TV of your choice that you already like. That's much better for consumers. I also want to take a very brief aside to say how much um, I dislike the word puck when As talking a, about these devices. Yeah, but like set-top box is gross. I don't know. There should be a better name for it. Tiny, tiny TV box. TTBB. TTTB. Mike. Hi, hi, hello. I'm back. Maybe it's hotter in this room than I thought it was. Uh, our so, friend, <laughs> friend of the show, uh, Russell Ivanovich of Pocket Casts, uh, was at Google I.O. this year. And he, um, as well as being featured um, in the presentation, congratulations, guys, for being featured in the presentation uh, with Pocket Casts. Uh, Russell had time to play with and use uh, an Android Wear device, and he wrote a really great blog post explaining um, his use um, and and some of the things that he found as being an actual user of the product. Um, And he was talking about some of the cool things and some of the not-so-great things about um, using a... I believe he has the Samsung Gear Live version. Not that it really makes too much of a difference between the two. Um, And he was talking about some of the things that he quite likes. Um, For example, if you kind of give your world over to Google Now, it can do some interesting things. Like he said that Google Now knew that he checked out his hotel in the morning, had a flight in the evening, so it started suggesting like movie times to him. And he was talking about how, you know, for him with notifications, he chooses which ones. He's very sort of strict about what what, um, shows up on his phone, so he doesn't receive too many on the watch and he's just saying that he quite likes the device being a pebble user he he thinks that it's quite a nice upgrade for him um, and is excited about especially the motor 360 so i thought that was a really good article that's worth reading and also a little bit more follow-up on um these watches the verge did a kind of side-by-side review of the gear live and the g watch um they kind of came to the conclusion that they're good they're still not ready there's still some things that are not right um and that basically the watches are much of a muchness the same we spoke a lot about this last week we've con- me and federico and steven have continued <laughs> to talk a lot about it um in our group chat yeah. <laughs> uh including a group conversation that i basically stormed away from um so i decided that for us to continue talking about this and if we want to have opinions on it i think that we need to go down the route that I went down with the Pebble and I've ordered an LG G-Watch. And hopefully- oh, so we're not going to go with the cage fight. 
We're not yet going to go over cage okay. fight. We'll see how it Mike goes. Mike is solving after. our problems by spending money. However, <laughs> I have decided that I am. There is like a ninety-nine percent chance that I will return this. I checked the returns window. I have fourteen days, so I'll wear it for like a week or a couple of days or however long um, to get a good review of it and then send it back because I I will not want this. It, because I'm not going to switch to Android full-time. So I will actually be switching to Android as well to conduct this test fully. So um, there you go, which, guys. <laughs> yeah, which sort of takes us to topic zero a little bit. Yep, so basically um, it should ship for me on the fourth, by the 4th, so by Friday, so I should have it in time for next week's show, and I maybe, and hopefully we'll have something on the, the episode of the 9th Otherwise, it will be on the episode of the 16th, depending on how much time I feel I need with the device. So, yes, Stephen says quite rightly this takes us to topic zero this week, which is, um, as I mentioned on last week's show, that I would try to download and install uh, the Android L developer preview um, onto my Nexus 5. It's probably worth taking a quick aside to say thank you to everybody who suggested L potential L suite names. There were many. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> licorice, limoncello. Uh, I, I still think that Android limoncello would be the best one. But, yeah. <laughs> I like. <laughs> okay, uh, and there was like lemon heads. I think as a brand name. Yeah, it's a candy. I think I saw a lemon berry fly by. Like, we get it. We couldn't. We're not very good at naming. This is why pops licorice. This is why the TTTB will not be a success <laughs> because <laughs> our naming is terrible. I think it will be. Personally, my bet is on licorice. Because there aren't really many brand names. So that's my yeah. brand name, Licorice. Um, except for the fact that's hard to spell. So the L Developer Preview. Um, it took me about 25,000 hours to get this thing on my phone. Turns out it's really, really difficult. Like, really not easy. It's not like how you can download the... Uh, you, you, you go to Apple's Dev Center and you download the image and then you go into iTunes and you right-click on, up, on update, right? It's not like that. Um, you basically, to my horror, I spent some time in Terminal a couple of days ago uh, installing this thing. I was so scared that I was going to Matt Alexander my computer and delete everything by accident. <laughs> so let me, I'll, I will very quickly just run down the steps with you. So I had to install the SDK. So the entire SDK I had to install onto my computer. I then had to download a bunch of developer tools from the SDK. I had to enable developer mode on my device by, I'm not kidding, going into my phone settings, finding the build number in the settings and tapping seven times on that location, to then enable uh, USB debugging mode. Connect it to my Mac. Then I had to unlock the bootloader of my phone, which required me to turn my phone off, turn it on, holding down all physical buttons at the same time. Like I, <laughs> I literally had to hold every single... So I had to hold volume up, volume down, and the power button. I had to press them all at exactly the same time. <laughs> Did you ever like call a DNA get her to help you? Like, you hold these buttons, <laughs> I'm gonna hold these buttons. <laughs> I will be elevated from the ceiling without it was a basic I had to turn my phone on and off to try and do this about fifteen times because I just couldn't get it right. Because then as well, when you go into the uh, safe boot mode to allow you to unlock the bootloader, you have to be very careful about the buttons you press, like pressing up or down if you don't if you press it maybe one too many times and press the power button, it will just boot the phone up as normal. So I then unlocked the bootloader. I then had to use Terminal to 
I had to do some some random commands in terminal. I understood what they meant. Like I took the time to read it, so I wasn't going to do anything crazy. And I had a fairly okay understanding of what I was doing. I had to put in a couple of, I had to like flash and then mm. flash the phone. Mm. It wiped the phone, which was fine. And then installed L. Honestly, so this took me about two hours to do. So Federico, it's not, you can wake up now. Federico. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so this seems uh, this seems um, <laughs> unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, you insane. can see um, this is you can see that this is definitely the first time they've done this. Like mm-hmm. they are not in a position to be able to easily distribute developer previews. Like that is in that process is insane. That is the process that you go through to install custom ROMs. Like Google should not be making you go through that process. Yeah. So how is it? Um, how's how's it L? So there's not a lot there right now, in all honesty. Um, the material design where it is. So there's there's only a few applications that actually featured a material design in full, and and they said this on stage that they've only got it really in place in a couple of couple of different places. But the places where it is, it's actually very nice. It is very bright. Um, but you know, I guess that's just a matter of taste as to whether you like really bright blues and lime greens. Um, for example, in the contacts app, things move around a lot. There are a lot of animations, but I actually found that it's that it makes them quite delightful. Um, mm. It makes it you know to to use like that's a word that we use to describe things on the Apple platform quite a lot. And I think that there are some things in here which mimic that type of idea of design. Um, the ripples as touch effects, I actually really like because it gives you a feedback of what is happening. Mm-hmm. So whenever you press places, like for example, I'm pressing the dialer right now, there's like a little circle that just goes, bloop, like kind of like expands, like it's it's like a ripple, right? But it's it's not done in an overbearing way. It's just a nice kind of, you touch this here and you can see that. And I like that. And a lot, a lot of um, Android apps have like the haptic feedback. So it just kind of, it adds to that whole experience. You can feel it and see it at the same time. The keyboard is a mess. There is no outlines on the keyboard. Yeah, so, I, s- I saw mm. a screenshot of that. It seems like a a mistake. It's just a flat color with... <laughs> letters sprinkled on it? With letters sprinkled on it. And oh. I mean, in usage, it's not really that different because you you know you kind of know when you're hitting, but it just doesn't look right to me. Yeah, and I guess that it makes you like unsure to type, like like you gotta think about what you're gonna type out on the key. It seems strange yeah. to have like just a solid color as a background and then just letters on a screen. It is weird, and they've got um, a top row of numbers, but they you can't do anything with them. Mm. Like, well, actually, you can hold. But it seems kind of a bit much to have like a you can um above the whole top row you get like a like a superscript number, which just seems unnecessary. Like just press the button to bring up the numbers. Like it's not it's, you're not helping me save that much time in all honesty. Mm. By the way, are we breaking the NDA with this stuff? I, th- the- I don't want uh, Larry Page. Um, outside of my house i'm not talking about anything that they're not showing on the pages because basically everything they've everything they have to show they're showing (laughs) okay uh i really page is already outside your house federico yeah (laughs) i really don't like the multi-task view now i mean i don't like that tab view in safari 
and now this is the multitasking view for this phone. This whole, you know, you know, like the whole like, little card stacking into infinity. Yeah. I'm not a big, not a big fan of that UI. Um, there are lock screen notifications now. This is something that Android was was missing before, and I'm really, really pleased that that is here. Um, some of the stuff that they show around how um, elements of the UI stack into place. So, like, say for example, my notifications view, I can like I can see my notifications. I can pull down to receive further to re- like to get the quick settings, and it all kind of seems to have a sense of place, like. One thing moves behind another, and as you scroll up, they kind of stack behind each other. That's all really nice, and it does give the operating system a real sort of defined, this is, this is how pieces interact with each other, and I think that looks really nice. Um, the only other thing that I really have to say about L is how insanely fast the voice stuff is. Hmm. Their voice dictation and the way that it answers questions is incredibly fast. Should we maybe try and do a demo, see if it would talk to us? Yeah. I'm turning the volume up now. Also, the OK Google thing is crazy. Oh, it just it, it operated when I said that. So let's... let's oh, wow. OK Google, who is the president of the United States? Barack Obama is the president of the United States of America. There you go. It's really quick. But nice. the OK Google thing is a problem. Um, I was showing it to my brother, and he just kept saying it over and over and over again. <laughs> and it does operate. So if I say OK Google, it's done it again. So I I would really like to be able to train it to my voice in some way, but um, I don't know if that's something that they they plan to do. So yeah, it it looks really nice. I'm excited to see how the operating system progresses because I think that this is a much needed refresh for Android, um, and it's really kind of giving it its own feel, its own look and feel, and and it it's exciting to see. And I'm happy that Google were putting a lot more time and effort into this stuff. Are you more excited about iOS 8 or Android L? See, that's. It's a tough question because, well, I mean, I use iOS 8. From a design perspective, I'm more intrigued about Android L because there isn't much happening in the way of design, of course, with iOS 8. I'm more excited to use iOS 8, but I am very intrigued with with Android L. And and if they continue going down this path, then I'm going to keep looking at them as a, you know, as a as an interesting platform to keep an eye on. Cool. Yeah, I mean, Mike, do you think that so and all the interviews and all their stuff, it's very much like this is like paper and ink. Do you think that's a a fair way to describe it? I don't think there's enough of it there yet for me to see that. So it, I mean, it, so it, it really sounds like it's n- there's not a lot of like it's just not close to being done. The only apps that are currently complete, to my understanding, is the calculator app and the dialer. That's wow. it. So two apps full of numbers. <laughs> yeah. The the actual operating itself, system itself, like so your the launch screen, um, the lock screen, um, the buttons, like you know, the triangle, circle, and square, that's all there. The multitasking view is there. But I feel like there needs to be a lot more. I, I don't see that metaphor at the moment. So no. I don't get I don't get the pen and paper thing. What I see is pieces of a phone operating system working better together. I don't see pen and paper metaphors 
around the place. So that's Android L. Hooray! Shall we take a quick break? And then we've got a huge topic that uh, Please. we're going to talk yes. about this week. You, are you done with Android L, Federico? It sounds like that you, you don't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't say that. Just please, please move on. <laughs> just, just, please, I, I want to hear about our awesome friends. <laughs> well, our friends this week, one of our friends this week, is the fine people over at lynda.com. You know Linda. They have over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses taught by industry experts with new courses added every single day. They have a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced that make it easy to learn something new, no matter what level you may be at. Linda helps anyone learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve personal or professional goals whenever and wherever they are. And they make it just so, so cool, so easy. Each course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or you can just jump around and find a quick answer. They have searchable transcripts. You can view these um, videos and these courses all on any device you want, a computer, tablet, or mobile device. They even have apps that can help you out with all of that stuff too. They give you access not only to the searchable transcripts, like I mentioned, so you can quickly find information within a course, but they also have closed cla- caption transcripts so you can follow along with the video too however you want to learn on linda they make sure that they try and provide you with the best way to do that maybe you want to learn by trying things out yourself well a bunch of their courses have downloadable project files so you can get in and try it out or maybe you want to you know you can want to pause a video go back you want to try something out go back in press play oh i missed what he said let me scroll back for the transcript go back to here they really make it as easy as possible for you to get as much as you can out of what they do. And let me make something clear. These are not homemade how-tos like you're going to find on YouTube. Linda has high-quality video production from end to end. They have real state-of-the-art studios. They make sure that their videos include animations and diagrams to make sure you really understand what you're learning. And their instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields who have a true passion for teaching. Linda.com has has one low monthly price of, believe it or not, $25. This provides you with unlimited access to their entire course library. Lynda.com offers a variety of instructional courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more. They have courses on everything. Maybe you want to learn Logic Pro 10. Maybe you want to learn more about how to use Excel. They've got stuff there. What about the whole creative suite like Photoshop or InDesign? Maybe you want to learn something about uh, Pro Tools. Maybe you want to learn Final Cut Pro. Well, they have the whole thing. They have everything you're going to need. Maybe you want to learn web development. Maybe you want to learn how to do SEO. Linda's got you covered. Now, here's the cool part. Go to lynda.com right now. They're giving listeners of the prompt a very special offer to access their entire library for free for seven days. You can get that by going to lynda.com slash the prompt. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash the prompt. T-H-E. P-R-O-M-P-T. It's going to get you access for seven days. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting 5x5 and the world's greatest podcast. So we have a special topic this week. And it's really the sort of topic that we're all excited about because we have a little bit of Apple history. We have a little bit of uh, Mac stuff, a little bit of iOS stuff. So we're going to if you haven't been spoiled by the show notes, we're going to be talking about uh, Sherlocking this week. And the so detective, we've... right, from Baker Street? Yes. Good, because I've done so much prep for this. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not the incomparable. Wrong, wrong show. Uh oh. Um, the you know it's a term that lots of people have heard, and we're kind of going to get into where the term comes from um, before we move forward. And and I, I have to say it was, it was enjoyable researching all this, but uh, Federico got like a. I've never seen you ex- like. You don't do a lot of Apple history stuff on Mac stories, you know, not, I do yeah. a lot of it on five twelve, And so it's fun to kind of be flip flop of that a little bit, watching you start helping pull this together. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Because maybe because it's software, you know, because I, I don't have, I mean, you have a, a collection of old Macs, like physical computers, and I don't have that. So maybe it's harder for me to get into the sort of, uh, historical kind of perspective and maybe you and have I, less nostalgia for it as well because probably yeah and, and i guess were, also you know, also because every time there's a new you know wwdc and a new version of ios and you hear people saying oh this app got sherlocked and 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 i thought that we never we never really i mean our we have been guilty you know of trying to find apps that have been sherlocked every time there's wwdc and and, you know, tweeting about apps that got replaced by features introduced by Apple. And, and I wanted to kind of put this in perspective and try to understand what's Sherlockian and where does it come from and what's the, the, the modern, uh, you know, uh, the modern take on, on what happened with the original Sherlock and, and really what, what it means when Apple introduces a new system feature or a new app. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that was my, my thought behind And, yeah, like you said, see, when I got really excited, like, last night, uh, when I was uh, finalizing my research and my notes, and, and Mike, you were joking about the messages that, that you found when you, when you woke up. Yeah, I woke up to a <laughs> conversation between Federico and Steven that was 136 messages. Uh, where they so, were getting yeah. very excited about Sherlock. <laughs> so yes, Stephen, um, would you tell us kindly what's Sherlock, the original software? So for- Sherlock was a native Mac application. It was introduced with Mac uh, OS 8.5 and ran up through, I think, 10 point, uh, 10.3 or 10.4. And basically it was a, it was a, a native Mac app, a desktop application that, Apple sort of had channels that they plugged in and it, you could search, basically search different things. And so you could, you could search the internet, you could search for pictures, you could search for movies or flights. They had a dictionary. Um, so it was kind of a, like a very cla- kind of like a classic nineties internet tool. Like it was a, you know, it was a hub. It was a one app that sent you a bunch of different places and never, uh, you know, never an, I don't. I don't think it was all that widely used. I definitely remember it being around, but not necessarily um, all that all that useful. And you know, it was around a long time. Eight point five to ten point four. I mean, that's that's a pretty good run. I mean, it survived the transition to OS ten. So um, you could also you could also search for local files in version two. Uh, I think. Yes, and they had like an Apple Care, like you could search for like, well you know, iPod cable and it could pull up like nodge based articles and tips about iPod cable. So very multifaceted. No wonder you liked it. I had access yeah, to the K base. Give me that sweet K base. <laughs> so um, yeah, but but you have a point when you say that it was a very nineties kind of application for the desktop. You know, all these internet channels. So I saw a screenshot that was like um 
Alta Vista search and stuff like Lycos or uh, <laughs> I, I can't even remember those names. Very old stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so we have a bunch of links in the show notes, as you might imagine. Um, one that I'll point to is I actually covered uh, Sherlock back in December. You know, I do a lot of breaking news on. <laughs> yeah, you're all about what's happening in the here and now, five twelve. Yeah, and so Sherlock, I think, would have gone the way of something like Apple Works. Like, yeah, Apple used to do that crazy thing, and now it's gone. But around Sherlock two and three, something happened that has kind of cemented the name Sherlock into the Apple universe, probably forever. Um, so Federico, you kind of you want to kind of talk about Watson and and what yes. happened there. So um, from what I read in November to two thousand and one, uh, this company that's still around, by the way, called Karelia Software, um, Dan Wood of Karelia uh, launched this app called Watson, which uh, in his own words was meant to be a companion to Sherlock Two, and um, it, Watson was a was a, a desktop program to with with similar uh, web search functionalities, and and it was meant more like um, like a toolkit to in, with interfaces for web services. So it was like a, like an extension to Sherlock Two with more uh, n- more channels, more uh, web integrations, and the interface was kind of similar. You had these uh, like uh, sections at the top to switch between uh, phone book lookups, and uh, you could track like auctions on eBay, you could track the weather, movie times, TV schedules, you know, a lot of, a lot of different internet uh, channels. And as Dan wrote, and we have a links to, to the old blog posts from uh, 2006 when, it, when he remembered the, the origins of Watson, um, it was meant to be, it was clearly inspired by Sherlock and it, was, and it was meant to be a companion. And it became kind of popular among uh, Mac users. It became so popular that there was a, a demo at um, I think WWDC. Uh, there's a there's a sh- um, there is a, a Watson demo. Um, I believe on on a, on macOS uh, on, on an early version of macOS 10. And there's a, a bunch of old links with screenshots of Watson in in the show notes. And it became so popular that basically at one point. Um, Karelia got, got a call from Apple, and uh, and there was a meeting um, between 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 the uh, between Apple and and Dan Wood, and essentially they showed uh, uh, they showed Dan Wood that the Apple was making Sherlock three, which was a which was a major new release of Sherlock with with many uh, many features uh, inspired by Watson. And basically, that's the whole problem with uh, with the Sherlocked um, word that we see a lot of times when there's a new Apple announcement. Basically, Watson was inspired by Sherlock 2. And according to many uh, Mac users and um, people of the tech press, um, Sherlock 3 was a copy of Watson. Whereas Apple says that Sherlock 3 was simply the natural evolution of, 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 of Sherlock 2. And it was just a coincidence that Watson was similar. 
And so there was a, there's also this, uh, this little story of Dan Wood uh, getting a phone call from Steve Jobs. <laughs> and, uh, and this is kind of uh, amazing because uh, according to Wood, Jobs said, you know those hand cars, the little machines that people stand on and pump to move along on the train tracks? That's Karelia. Apple is the steam train that owns the tracks. So, so that that's very. <laughs> that's a very <laughs> Steve Jobs quote. <laughs> that's a very Steve Jobs kind of way of saying, you know, you you were inspired by us. Uh, now, you know, just move away. We have a <laughs> we have a better solution. So that's yeah. the old problem, right? Um, basically, there was this app that was like an extension to Sherlock Two, like a companion, like uh, an app inspired by an Apple app that did more stuff. And then Apple sees that the app becomes popular and they update their own Sherlock uh, program with more features and people cry that, you know, uh, they copied the app from the independent developer. And that's the, the old problem with the uh, Sherlock, not as a program's name, but as a like a, like a trend, like a, like, a, like, like a verb that you see every year after WWDC. And so, Stephen, uh, you, I guess... You're more familiar than me with all old macOS stuff. And do you remember any of these? You know, the old Watson, Sherlock 2, Sherlock 3? Oh, yeah. It was, you know, this is before the era of a lot of, you know, definitely before Twitter. Um, but, you know, I remember, you know, and this was about before, it, before Daring about Fireball, too. Before Gruber, before yeah. uh, Mac Rumors, before most of, you know, modern. Apple blocks. Yeah, and it was it predates me a little bit before I was super into it, but it's definitely a story that you know I've heard a lot about, and I've I've read actually had read both links that you found um, about about the story of Sherlock three and Watson, and you know we're gonna kind of come back and 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 talk about like big picture like what we think about Sherlocking, but um, it is it is really interesting that the name has stuck around. And it's, it's, you know, we have a whole bunch of examples that we're going to talk about in a minute. But this is something that happens not only in technology, but in all sorts of industries. Like the example I thought of, because I'm currently car shopping, you know, like one car maker shipped LED headlights and now every car has LED headlights. You know, it's, it's something that, that, you know, yes, like Apple was probably more in the wrong than the right on this one. But this sort of like, hey, you have a feature, I'm going to incorporate that feature. Like that happens a lot. And um and I kind of, you know, us collectively, we kind of came up with a couple of different definitions of Sherlock kind of before we move forward. You know, one is where Apple releases an application that does what a thirty what a third party app does in a way that's like creepy. Um Apple releases a new feature that does what a third party does. Again, kind of in a creepy way, like, okay, Apple, you clearly ripped this off from somebody. And then I think there's a new kind where Apple introduces a feature that's clearly lifted from another company's, you know, OS or device. And so we're, we're gonna, what we're going to talk about from here on out, kind of, that's how I think we're filtering this. Like, there's a couple of different ways this happens. And it's just, you know, again, this is kind of like part of life in this industry. Yeah. Um and so looking no. back, I guess the you can see some of the confusion, even trying to find all the blog posts on the subject. You can find the confusion because Sherlock 2 and Sherlock 3 
when you look at the features that change it and, 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 and the design, you know, evolution of the app, it kind of seems obvious that Sherlock 2 would become Sherlock 3. And then when you read that there was Watson in the middle and you go like, okay, Apple clearly copied this app. But then you go read and you see the Corellia guy saying it was inspired by Sherlock 2 and it was meant to be a companion to Sherlock 2. And then Sherlock 3 happened, and, and, and you understand, okay, maybe, maybe really Apple has a point when they say that, you know, Sherlock 3 was a natural evolution. But then you read about the Steve Jobs phone call and the Apple meeting, and that's kind of, you know, creepy. And, and maybe, I mean, for sure Apple was familiar with Sherlock. I mean, they had the guy on stage, so they knew that the app was popular. So maybe there was a maybe there was something to the story, you know, of Sherlocking. I feel uh, like that there has been better examples of Sherlocking since Watson, though. Yeah. If there, that makes sense. There have been better examples of Sherlocking since since the original Sherlocking, I think. Yeah, I agree. So maybe, maybe by the end of this episode, we'll come up with a new term for it. We'll find the most egregious. We will yeah. try to analyze, yeah. So I, I I also wanted to add mm-hmm. uh, when you Stephen when you uh, uh, listed the kind of filters that we're trying to apply uh, for the different types of Sherlocking by Apple, um, I I don't know if maybe it can be included in the in the first category, but I I think that a general um, trend that I see is Apple uh, taking a feature by another app but making it like simpler or more like dumbed down. And an example would be a reading list uh, inspired by, I don't know, Instapaper or Pocket, or Mike, you mentioned the podcast app, um, clearly inspired by other podcast clients. Mm-hmm. So, but, but yeah, I think the, the basic trend would be you see a popular app and you make it a feature in your existing app. Yeah, I think a lot of the examples, you know, we have this list of, Things that you know could have been could be categorized as Sherlocking from Yosemite and iOS eight. And I think most of those things fall into that category. That's a really good point, Federico. Like, um, you know, the the first thing on their list is like Spotlight and Alfred. You know, the new Spotlight in Yosemite it doesn't do everything Alfred does. I mean, I can I've got Alfred hooked up to like do all sorts of crazy stuff on my computer, mm-hmm. but it did take kind of Alfred's design and some of the stuff it does do and simplify it. I put it in a package it's easier for people to deal with than something yeah. like Alfred or LaunchBar. Yeah, especially, you know, because uh, Spotlight, now when you when you use the current Spotlight, you see this little uh, search box in the top right, and instead they have this new interface uh, in the middle of the screen, big box, you know, and you can type anything, and it's got these large visual previews, and it does uh, a bunch of web things. So again, it it's kind of like a, like a comeback of <laughs> of Sherlock in a way. You can look up information and get a little nice previews with images and text. And and yeah, it, I, I mean, I, I guess that power users will always uh, find will always find advantages in using Alfred or, or the new launch bar. But uh, I guess that I mean Apple has uh, uh, there's clearly an inspiration from existing application launchers, and you can you can go all the way back to Quicksilver. You remember, mm-hmm. remember the guy, the guy? Oh, yeah. Used to, still used around, to be popular. Yeah, still around. A new developer, I think. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the new Spotlight seems to take this kind of uh, more user-friendly approach because it's bigger, it's in the middle of the screen, and, and it's more, I guess, friend, it's friendlier to, you know, with l- large type and, and previews. And um, 
But yes, that's one of the features that, because we started with iOS 8 and Yosemite, one of the modern, I guess, recent Sherlockings. Another one would be, uh, guys, and I don't know if you, if you guys saw that, I guess you did, um, the new markup mm-hmm. uh, feature that's going to be uh, integrated in OS 10 uh, in mail, so you can annotate images. Um, and it's, uh, actually, uh, I think markup is going to be an extension, so not only in mail, but also in other apps. And many people said, okay, that's, uh, that's clearly lifted from Sketch, from, you know, the Sketch annotation tool from Evernote. And maybe, for sure, but I mean, Preview currently has, an, uh, you know, annotation features. <laughs> so it's, it's not completely new. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the other ones we looked at, you know, time-lapse photography applications. Well, there's they, a, these yeah. are the things from Yosemite and iOS 8, right? That, right. Yes. Yeah, we started that. from we started from uh, the last announcement. We're starting yeah. from the future and going to work our way back. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah. you know, t- time lapse photography apps, fitness aggregators. You know. Yeah. Um, right like now, let me tell you, that's... I'm trying. I'm trying all the uh, all the wearable uh, stuff. You know, uh, fitness uh, apps and features be- because I want to get healthier. I want to get more in shape and. Right now, the, the, the situation with uh, different fitness trackers and services is a mess because basically everyone has to manually implement the API from another service. So MyFitnessPal, which is an app to track what you eat and the calories that you burn every day, has to support the Jobon app API. They have to manually support the Fitbit API. And Fitbit has to support the MyFitnessPal API, the FitStar. So everybody has to implement APIs. And it's a mess because maybe there are little differences between, between the different implementations. So I actually welcome Apple getting into this field with, with, a, with a single health app that aggregates data and maybe not really Sherlocking, but in a way just you know laying the foundation for developers to build upon and forget about manual apis i don't know it's welcome in my opinion yeah and um so what about we talked about messages and whatsapp you know it's that (laughs) that control of like holding your thumb down and yeah sliding up and the voice memo stuff you know, I think the WhatsApp CEO or somebody even like had like this yeah. super passive aggressive tweet. <laughs> yeah, it was really upset. <laughs> yeah, um, especially for the for the easier um, voice messaging uh, that I told you guys, it's huge in Italy. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it clearly from WhatsApp and other apps, but you know that's that's how that's how Apple works. Yeah. Now, Mike, you put in file system, iCloud Drive, Dropbox stuff. Yep. Ex- explain yourself, young man. I know you don't agree with me, but I'm going to go with it anyway. So I think that um, looking at iCloud Drive um, and Dropbox and, and the way that some of that sort of stuff works. So uh, the way I was thinking is that at the moment we all use Dropbox to sync application data between our devices, so from our Macs to our iPhones to our iPads and sort of around and about. Um and I think that the the iCloud Drive, if if adopted by developers um, more extensively, could replace the needs for that for a lot of people. Like if you're moving text files around, why use Dropbox for it? Why pay for Dropbox when you can have iCloud Drive instead? And I think that it seems like for a lot of people, 
they won't need to use Dropbox anymore because iCloud Drive will give them the ability to access their files. Because, you know, I know that there'll be the document picker stuff and, and things like that. So Dropbox will be able to um, integrate in some some similar ways. But having a system-built feature will negate the use for a lot of people to need to then go and pay or go f- jump through the extra hoops to install Dropbox on the machine. And also the photo stuff as well, like... Why would you use um, the systems that we have, like Dropbox, for photo management when Apple were going to be building a solution for you? In theory, if it all works, of course, you know, you, you need to, it's not fair to say, oh, but it's not going to work because obviously we're taking that out of the equation here. If it works as advertised, then you're going to have everything built right into the system and it will all happen automatically for you and it will be, you know, unlimited forever and cheaper. You just couldn't resist. Talking about photo management. Oh, of course. I mean, that goes without, <laughs> without question. So I don't think that this is one of the ones, you know, if we look back at our categorizations, I feel like this falls into the latter category. It's not It's not killing Dropbox, not by a long way, but I feel like it's um, going to be providing a solution for many, many users um, where they're clearly taking some some cues from what Dropbox is doing. You know, it's that whole, it's a, a what do they call it? Like a feature, not a system. What was Steve Jobs' yeah, point about Dropbox? Uh, Dropbox is a feature. You're a not feature, a product. not a product. So yeah. you know that this is basically what Apple is trying to show them. You know, we we can do this too, by the way. Um, and one of the other ones that I put in was uh, beta testing services because Apple, again, they're giving te- test flight and it's not got everything that something like hockey has or even the old test flight has, but it will provide a free option for a bunch of people. And it's clear, you know, Apple wanted to do this. So it's a kind of a weird way of Sherlocking because they actually bought a company and just rolled the yeah. features right in. <laughs> like that maybe and, this and is a brand new way of doing it. Yeah. And the really big advantage is that they're using Apple IDs instead yeah. of provisioning profiles and, you know, uh, that kind of old stuff. And also about uh, developer tools, Mike. Uh, I ha- And Steven too, because I mean, it's the three of us. Sorry, Steven. Hey. <laughs> um, hey. They should I, shut I him was, out now. <laughs> <laughs> so I also had um, in, the, in the notes um, app analytics services because in iOS 8, um, there's going to be uh, App Store analy- analytics for developers. And this one is pretty huge because uh, the developers don't have to do anything. You get basically analytics for free in iTunes Connect. And you can see how many people land on your App Store page, where they come from, and you know all those kind of uh, statistics and, and, and details that developers want to know to optimize better. And also about uh, less one for developer tools, possibly Sherlocked or not, in iOS 8 and Yosemite, um, there's a new runtime is- inspector feature in Xcode 6, which many people pointed out that it was inspired by this um, developer app called Reveal, which is a runtime inspection view for Objective-C code. And there's a link in the show notes from the developer of um, Reveal that surprisingly points out that Xcode will be much, much more limited than their... Uh, reveal app, which as we're gonna we're gonna talk about in the conclusion of this topic, is a common trend. And maybe um, last point that I had in the notes. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Uh, and this is super uh, niche kind of feature, but screen recording solution for iOS apps. 
so right now many people, including me, uh, use those uh, AirPlay-enabled apps for the Mac to record the screen of an iOS device. And Yosemite and QuickTime, they're going to have a screen recording feature for iPhones and iPads. So that's kind of Sherlocked in a way. Yeah, and you know all those examples kind of fall into what we're what we're talking about is Apple might move into a space, but their solution is often simpler and not really for you know power users. Um, I think that they holds just up. Covered all- the basics, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that is true for all this new stuff, um, and I think it's going to be true for some stuff as we get a little bit further further down the road. <laughs> um, we want we want to talk too quickly about you know features that Apple has taken, borrowed air quotes whatever, uh, from other operating systems and so from things like Windows or Android or or WebOS. Um, you know, Mike, you've had the most experience with Android out of the three of us. What are some things you think that that Apple has has maybe borrowed from their friends in Mountain View? Um, so most recently, actionable notifications, um, third party keyboards. Uh, the document picker, the idea about being able to say I'm in this application and I want to pull an Im- pull an image from this application and showing like a intermediary UI to do that. Um, what else do we have? Um, the whole basic basic notification shade functionality. You know this this idea of being able to pull down something from the top and see a list of notifications. I mean, just notification management in general. <laughs> <laughs> came from Android, right? Because that was around from pretty much the start where Apple didn't really have anything. Um, control Center and having uh, mm. there being a, a dedicated view which is easily accessible for um, controls, these quick controls like Wi-Fi and things like that. Uh, yeah, I like how on Android, I, I was recently trying uh, a Samsung Galaxy S yeah. um, 4, uh, a friend bought one, and I like that in the sh- in the shortcuts for the toggles for Wi-Fi and stuff, you get easy access to the full settings too. Yeah, and, and I kind of miss that from iOS. Yeah, that's nice. Not having to worry about having the icon anywhere you need it because you can just get it from wherever you are. Yeah. Um, I think from the top of my head, that's a, a few. Unless you guys have any others that you think. I mean, so like from Android, they're they're kind of in more recent memory the big things that have been have been lifted yeah no i think what? i mean that those none of those items are small right like they're all you know pretty fundamental changes to to ios you know thinking back a little bit you know, web os courses you know super dead it's on tvs right at lg but who cares Things like the multitasking cards, you know, people you could say are from WebOS. Some of the gestures are from WebOS. But I think at this point, that stuff's so diluted and so basically just everywhere that it's hard. Yeah. I think it's hard to draw a straight line back to WebOS at this point. And there's um, that awesome series, um, Everything is a Remix. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it's really uh, the point, right? With features that come from competing OSs and other companies, it's really hard to track down who came up with, with the feature first, especially because people change roles and people move across companies. So now the, the WebOS guy works for Google and Apple is inspired by WebOS, but also Google. And it's kind of, you know, and each company tries to kind of make a feature more special on their own OS with different design changes. So it's really hard. And when it comes to Sherlocking, 
it, it's not really Sherlockian in this case because how can iOS Sherlock Android? I mean, I, I think that if you want to buy an Android device, you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, not buy one because now iOS has the same notification gesture. That that seems to be just you know a minor feature detail. Yeah, I think and, I think these ones where it goes across companies and stuff with different platforms, yeah. it's it's not so much Sherlocking as it is examples of showing how the how big companies borrow from each other. You know? It's kind of non-direct yeah. Sherlocking. It's it's just uh, another example of how also called copying. Like, yeah, companies like Apple and Google they look at what each other's each other are doing and they say, yeah, we're going to do that. So it just shows like you know th- this cultural idea of borrowing <laughs> th- features, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of air quotes happening this week on the prompt. Um, So before we get to the really, really good Sherlocking stuff, Mike. Yes. You got to do something. Yes, we have a brand new sponsor to the prompt this week. um, And I I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Jamf Software. That's J-A-M-F Software. So you may have read or already noticed that a lot of businesses, schools, and organizations using iPhones, iPads, and Macs to run things a little smoother. However, in order for everything to work efficiently, you're going to need tools for the IT staff so they can set up, configure, manage, and secure the influx of Apple devices. Well, that's where Jamf Software comes in. in 2000, since 2002, Jamf Software has been the only company focused on managing Apple for IT professionals. They have created some really helpful tools to keep device management easy and efficient, like the Casper Suite. The Casper Suite gives IT a powerful toolkit for, for setup, configuration, and security, while users still get to enjoy the native Apple user experience. Unlike some other device management software, Casper Suite is flexible, reliable, and even secure. It even offers self-service and application within the Casper Suite designed to help end users install their own software on demand so you will be able to spend less time worrying about all the little things. If you own or work for a company that primarily uses Apple devices, you should definitely give Casper Suite a shot. To request a free trial or to find out more, please visit Jamf Software, that's J-A-M-F Software, dot com slash 5x5. Thank you so much to Jamf Software for their support of the world's greatest podcast. So we we wanted to speak a little bit about some sort of classic examples of Sherlocking. So we've talked about the history, we've talked about maybe some recent examples, but there's some doozies over the last couple of years that we want to, yes. to, 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 go, <laughs> to go through. And these are in no particular order except what popped into my head these are um, these are where like previously up to this point there's been some gray areas you know oh, maybe yeah. a bit blurring the lines so these are straight out like <laughs> like you you stole this idea so um growl was a third-party application for os 10 that allowed you know local notifications so i used to have it set up where if i uploaded a bunch of stuff via ftp my FTP client could tell Growl, hey, your upload is done. I got a little notification. Yeah. Does that sound familiar to you guys? <laughs> like anything <laughs> that we have maybe today <laughs> on the right-hand side of our Macs? I have no idea. Well, Spotlight, you knew. <laughs> yeah, Spotlight. Um, no, I mean, this notification center. So yeah. notification center came to the Mac with Mountain Lion. 10.8, mm-hmm. I believe. 
As soon as I said that, it made me think that maybe it yes, is yes, 10. it was. 7. It was ten point eight. I can see it, and it's actually in the URL in the show notes. Apple unveils Mac OS ten point eight. You believed line. correctly, Stephen. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> thank you, Federico. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Grouse still around, but like, I would say it's been marginalized. Yeah, big time. a lot. Yeah, yeah it used try, to be. Yeah. They tried to when pivot, I, and it, I think it worked very well for them. Yeah, because I remember I was a big, big Growl user. Uh, I had all the plugins and the, and the custom uh, skins, um, and it used to be huge. Especially like I, I, I can measure uh, in numbers this stuff with with readers, right? And there used to be so much interest in Growl before uh, before Notification Center, and after um, Notification Center and native notifications on OS ten. I uh, try to still cover Growl for power users, and my, uh, the problem was that <laughs> people didn't care anymore, and myself, I just didn't have a use for Growl, because uh, the developers tried to um, bring uh, a new SDK, more uh, power user integrations. It's just that Apple covered the basics so well with native notifi- notifications, and uh, notifications also gained last year. Uh, actionable um, features on the Mac, yeah. and now Growl and other similar apps. I don't know if there are any. Some just gonna say Growl. People just don't have a use for it anymore. And if you're a developer making a Mac app today, why would you go through the trouble of enabling Growl? Like, just use not- the built-in notification center. Like, I don't know why you would go ahead and and build Growl support in as well. You know. I mean, I'm pretty sure there are uh, there are still uh, uh, a bunch of advanced features that Notification Center cannot do, and that Growl has. But clearly, for the mass market uh, people on the on the that buy software from the Mac App Store and just general Mac users, and I would argue even geeks, uh, people that read tech blogs, Notification Center and and native notifications are just enough. For most people, there's only so many useful things a notification system can give you. Like, I, I don't really know what I don't need anything more. I'm like, oh, I really wished it did this. It's just not a problem for me. Right. It kind yeah. of is what it is, and you move yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll take the next one. Uh, reading list and Insta paper. This was quite a high profile one at the time because you know naturally Marco um, is well known in the community. So in the in the uh, Tech blogging. Who's Marco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Instapaper, we you know we know and love. This is uh, when Marco was still running Instapaper. Um, Apple announced um, reading list uh, in iOS five. Yes, iOS five. I'm going to just presume you knew that from memory, Federico. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So basically, reading list is like a really watered down version of a read it later type application. It wasn't even very well supported in Apple's own platforms initially. Um, and it basically just gave you the ability to find a link in Safari and save it to a, another part of Safari. To read so it wasn't later. even an app. It was a feature in Safari, right? Yeah, it was, was, it was just like a, a feature in Safari. And, it, and I believe there was... It didn't really sync very well from Mac to iOS, at least to begin with. Um, and I think, you know, if, if memory serves, the, the conversation that was had around the time, and, and, and you know, especially on Build and Analyze, which was Marco's podcast on 5x5 at the time, um, 
definitely kind of started to spur the idea of this is good for me as a developer because it's opening yes. up the um, market to people that want a that don't know they need this solution in their lives. Yeah, because the idea was that Apple was going to expose people to the idea that you that you were able to save articles for later, and but. Uh, the the idea was because reading list is, is so limited, people are going to get familiar with the feature, but then they're going to want more. And when they realize they want more, they're gonna look for uh, a dedicated solution, and they're gonna find Instapaper. That was the theory, and as we're gonna see, it remains to be a theory uh, among developers. Um, have you guys ever used reading list full time? No, because I never. have. No way. No. I have, and I, and I came back recently, just a few months ago, to Instapaper. Now that it's no longer made by Marco, it's under uh, BetaWorks, and yeah, basically I went through the process myself. I'm um, reading list is, uh, and I mean it got better through the years. Uh, on iOS five, it was really limited, and. Initially, I liked, you know, the integration with Safari and the fact that it played well with uh, Safari Reader, which is also kind of kind of Sherlock Sherlockish <laughs> thing of, to do from Apple uh, to you know just present web articles uh, with a nice clean layout. Uh, but then, uh, basically, I used reading list for the past I don't know four or five months, and I came back to Instapaper because I wanted more. I wanted the highlights. I wanted the social features. I wanted to like articles. I wanted to archive them. Once you read something in reading list, it's gone forever. Uh, so I, I would agree with Marco years later. I, I would say that he was right that now I don't know the numbers. It would be fun, it would be fun to know the numbers of a, a reading list and just how many, I guess, millions of people use it. Uh, I think it was just you, Federico. Yeah, it's like no, 12 no. people. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, don't know. So, it's, no, I, I really don't think a lot of people use reading list. It, I don't know. See, that's the thing that you cannot know. Because, it, I mean, for most people, it's it's fine, I guess. Why would you use it? Yeah, Because I, it's I, simple and because it's right there in Safari. Yeah, but who knows they, who knows they yeah, need that? That's like why I didn't use it. Because it, I was like, oh, I have to go into Safari to do this thing. Like, I like Dennis' paper... It's been on my first home screen since forever and sort of a like a place I go to read. But um anyways, yeah. Steven, the, yes. the next one is yours. It's <laughs> all yeah. yours. This, this is, is the, the big best. one. This is the best one. I oh, think yeah. this is I think this is the one that people think of. Um so Mac OS ten point four Tiger introduced a feature that you guys mock me for still using. So that's uh, like 20 years ago, right? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> 2005. Tiger's old. Um, wow. Dashboard, which of course lets you put little widgets. It's what I was using earlier to convert temperature when we were complaining about how hot it was. Unless Mike cuts that out, which he totally should. So dashboard, you know... It was, I remember when it came out, it felt like a big deal. Like you can run these little miniature apps and they do very specific things and they're just a, really just a keyboard press or a swipe away. Um, I, uh, I do, re <laughs> I do remember like I was jealous that my PowerBook couldn't run 
the little animation. So when you used to drop a widget on the dashboard, you get this little wave animation. that was really cool. And my computer couldn't do it. And I was sad. And then I got a new computer. Um, Did you get a new computer just for the animation? No, <laughs> that's like a, that's like a ripple effect. Yeah. It's Android. That's L. Mater- material design <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, but there was an app, third-party app, called Confabulator. That Which is did, an awesome name, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that did the exact same thing. And was around before Tiger, and everybody went insane. The two links in the show notes that I found of note were... Um, 2004, Gruber talks about it. Um, and actually, in Syracuse's tiger review for Ars Technica, which is sort of, you know, the, the review talks about this and Gruber at least argues that it's not a ripoff. Um, but I think, and I think most people think that it, that it was Uh confabulator kind of like Watson sort of suffered after this, as you, as you might imagine, I think Yahoo, that Yahoo bought them. It's Yahoo widgets. Now I, think it's still around but i didn't really look because kind of like growl no no it was closed on march the 2nd 2012 no oh, well, it'll no. be closing down support for the yahoo widget engine and closing the yahoo widget gallery altogether that's this sad. really looks like like dashboard it's really yeah it's it is uh also i had for, i had forgotten till i read gruber's piece that they weren't called widgets at first by Apple. They were called gadgets, which <laughs> gadgets. is uh, funny in its own right. This um, is one of those things where I honestly don't believe anyone would have had this idea if the, if Confabulator wasn't around. Or like, at least like the exact same idea. Because, <laughs> and, and Gruber, yeah. talks, Gruber talks about it, that the original Mac had desktop accessories. Yeah. So you could do like a calculator yeah. or a sticky note or whatever. And uh, Syracuse talks about it as well. And so like the idea of like tiny little one-off applications that run your computer is old, but the, ad- what made confabulator a product and not an idea was the way that it worked, that it flew in from above and you could drop widgets onto it. And these widgets could do all these things. And the dashboard was exactly the same thing. Um, is is sort of ridiculous. Can I tell you this guys a-, a very, very quick story about Confabulator and why yes. it is responsible wow. for me being here talking to you? You have a story about this old stuff? Yeah. I want to hear it. So Go on. Confabulator is potentially responsible for me being here talking to you now, <laughs> being a podcaster. Did it save your life? So I was... Um, before I got my first Mac in like in like so in two thousand and four, I was starting to read some blogs and stuff like in Gadget and whatever. I, I was starting to become more into technology as a thing, and I was uh, I downloaded Confabulator and I was looking through the uh, widget gallery, um, or or whatever they called it at the time. Widget <laughs> gallery. Any any technology with gallery in the name is like <laughs> just going to die. What like I add gallery. My favorite app. Um, and I was looking through and I would I saw loads of uh, widgets related to something called Dig and Dignation. I was like, what is this? So I downloaded uh, a widget for Dignation, which was a, a podcast, my first ever podcast that I ever listened to. Um, and from there, I found out a lot more about what Apple was doing 
watching that show and becoming a user of Dig, uh, and then it all kind of grew from there. So maybe without Confabulator, I never would have found out about Dignation, never would have found out about podcasts, and or been interested in them in a, in such a way that I would want to participate in them one day. Wow. So wow. see, Sherlocking is good for your life. <laughs> no, but this <laughs> yeah. was before Sherlocking. This was yeah. Confabulator. <laughs> yeah, if you had been a couple months later, you might have never discovered it. Wow. So Mike is like like a Sherlocking uh, sur- survivor. Well, I, I was using this on a Windows PC, so. Uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, can we can we skip to more um, recent history? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about iOS. Uh, Yes, so um, there are every, like I said, every year there's the blog post that you find of just how many apps Apple Sherlocked at WWDC. So I decided to just pick a few of these examples. Um, I went back to iOS 4.1, which, as a, if I remember correctly, guys, uh, it came out after, like in September. Uh, September or October, and basically the, the 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 victim in this case were HDR apps because Apple added an HDR uh, feature to the camera app, and as we know, uh, HDR in in Apple's uh, camera app is basically what the name suggests. It's just an option, a toggle that you can either switch on or off. And to me, dedicated photo apps with advanced HDR features, they seem to be fine. And as we also see every year, the, the, the trend, because Apple cares so much about photos and, and, the, and the camera, because it's one of the most used uh, iPhone features, um, every year there's the post that says that a, that a camera app has been Sherlocked. With iOS 5, um, there was the Sherlocking of Camera Plus, which, uh, funny thing, is still around and still in the top 10 of the App Store. And there was the Sherlocking on of Instapaper, as we saw with reading lists. Um, I I, fa- I found an old blog post that mentions Lockinfo, which is funny because Lockinfo was a jailbreak uh, tweak that lets you uh, add notifications and widgets on the lock screen. Oh man, you could and go all day with jailbreak tweaks, though. That, oh that yeah, I, I used to be. So here's the funny thing. Um, one of uh, one of the, mo- uh, the the most viewed Mac Stories articles in the entire history of the site is a jailbreak tutorial with my favorite tweaks because I used to be so into jailbreaking, of course, um, when I was younger. You know, now I'm kind of old. Um, not as much as Steven, though. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, man. Anyway, looking for uh, so people assume that because of you know notifications, uh, notification center on iOS five, looking for was dead. Um, also, iOS five, guys, this was big. Reminders and to do apps. <laughs> people said that every to do app was going to be Sherlocked by reminders. Yeah, not not so much true. Not so much too, because I mean, for sure, I mean, I am a reminders user and I totally see why the basic to do app as we know it, like the basic to do list with, you know, little check boxes and dates and task names, the reminders covers the basics well. I know so many of my friends who use reminders. I use reminders myself with Fantastical, but that's another point. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, the more advanced uh, task management app and and uh, like OmniFocus or things, um, you know, they, they seem to be fine. 
Also with iOS 5, messaging, messaging apps because of iMessage. Um, people said, oh, BlackBerry got Sherlocked with iOS 5. I think BlackBerry got Sherlocked way before iOS 5. But anyway, <laughs> iOS 6. Uh, so many people said iOS 6 has Sherlocked Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, that, so, that worked out great. That, yeah, that went well. I mean... There went, you know, an apology on Apple's website. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but it did. It did. I think more than Google, it did affect turn by turn directions, right? Because that was in iOS 6 as well. Or was it? Uh, was it yeah. Turn by turn was with the first release. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a problem for sure for Google to, to you know, to be kicked out of the uh, iOS and to be, to, to go back to the App Store. Uh, but I mean, Apple uh, posted an apology, recommended uh, Maps applications on the on their website. <laughs> right now, if you go to the App Store, you still if and if you look for Maps, if you do a search for the word Maps, you still get a special recommendation by Apple with with a with a section uh, that says basically, if you don't if you don't like the Maps app on your device, try these other apps. <laughs> That's so crazy. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, Mike, I believe you know more than me about this. Uh, when iOS 6 introduced iCloud tabs, uh, so the possibility to sync tabs across your devices, that's basically a Google Chrome feature. You are correct. I am correct. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. So we arrive to uh, last year iOS 7, crazy Sherlocking uh, ideas by so many people. So iOS 7 Sherlocks. Skype, Instagram, flashlight, flashlight <laughs> apps, Pandora, iCloud, um, one password with iCloud Kitchen, and with Mavericks we see the Sherlocking of applications that enable multiple Finder tabs, such as Total Finder and Pathfinder. So let's go in order. Um, Skype, not really. I mean, there's FaceTime Audio, and it seems that it'll gain uh, group conversation features only with iOS 8 and Yosemite. And then also yes. it was um, Skype was secondarily uh, Sherlocked when it uh, arrived on the Mac too, of course. <laughs> yeah. See. And that's currently we're talking on... No, we're not. Oh, still on Skype. Instagram. I mean, not really, because Apple added filters to their camera app and, uh, and the square uh, crop format. But it didn't, uh, I mean, at least from what I see, it didn't, it didn't kill Instagram in any way. People, millions of people still use Instagram. Maybe we should just uh, all use a shared photo stream instead of Instagram. Just everyone yeah. you know. Everyone. Like, I, mean, I think, just I think Instagram's okay because it is a Especially because of the square format in the camera app. Yeah, well, I mean, I it's think. a social network, so I think it's, you know, I think it survives better than others. Yeah. Uh, flashlight apps, though... Totally. That's the, real, that's the real Sherlocking. So there used to be <laughs> so, so many, so many flashlight apps on the App Store. I'm pretty sure that at one point I saw a venture capital uh, funded <laughs> flashlight app uh, on TechCrunch. I'm not kidding. There was one. I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember this. But yeah, with Control Center and, and the flashlight button, that's the, you know, you've been flashlighted. I don't know. That, that, that's that's got to be a word. Uh, also, iOS 7, iTunes Radio, Sherlock's Pandora. I don't know. Maybe I saw there was um, uh, some numbers by US analytics firm um, about, you know, iTunes Radio growth and millions of users 
probably, I don't know, I never use Pandora because it's US only. So Steven, you got to tell me about Pandora and iTunes Radio. I think Pandora is still widely used. I mean, I know people who have it on all day long. I think it's relatively okay. Cool. iCloud Kitchen and 1Password. Um, for sure, iCloud Kitchen makes it super easy to uh, log in on a device uh, through iCloud and to generate passwords. But it doesn't have all the features of 1Password. You cannot create secure notes. You cannot search for your logins. I mean, you can see all your logins into the settings app if you navigate really deep into the settings app. But it's, you cannot search for those. So it's, it's a, again, it's a Safari feature, just like reading lists. On the Mac, um, Mavericks and Finder tabs. I, I don't know. I guess that people who... Maybe Total Finder, because Finder tabs used to be the basic feature, the major selling point of Total Finder. Pathfinder, however, it does so many things, and I see so many Mac nerds uh, still using it. I guess it's all right. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things have various degrees of success after Apple, quote, Sherlock's them. I think it's, I think one thing is, is it's really hard to tell, especially I think with things that iOS 7 affected. I think it's probably still too soon to tell, you know, long term how they'll be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, as we we're putting this together, I thought about, because this is sort of my thing, um, I thought about Steve Jobs visiting Xerox. Because if, you're, if we're going to talk about Mac history, you may as well go back as far into Mac history yeah. as you possibly can. Why not? Huh? Yeah, and, and maybe uh, the ultimate Sherlocking. So there's a bunch of show notes in the show notes, links in the show notes. <clears throat> Mike, where are the show notes? 5by5.tv slash prompt slash 55. Man, we're getting old. Um, You're getting old. <laughs> I'm like two years... Um, uh, you have so a hundred children. <laughs> the you are a family man, come on. I know, it's great. You guys should... We are like... We are like very dedicated teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So common lore is that Steve Jobs got in his fancy car and drove to Xerox, saw the GUI, saw the mouse, saw ne Ethernet networking, and went back to Cupertino and made the Lisa and the Macintosh. That's how movies portray it. That's how a lot of books portray it. I think that's how people think of it. You know, there's, um, there's a quote in... Pirates of Silicon Valley between Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And Gates is basically like, you know, Xerox was the neighbor with the door open and we, you know, just, we, we both went in, you went in and then we went in. What we're doing, what Microsoft is doing to Apple is no different than Apple did to Xerox. Um, I promise you the prompt will be the only podcast you listen to this week with a reference to Pirates of Silicon Valley. God, I love that movie. So good. Um, <laughs> Noah Wiley Maybe we can find the clip. Noah Wiley introduced Steve Jobs at the first Macworld that Steve Jobs came back to, and it's really funny. Um, so, but there's some interesting things to talk about this. There's an article from Stanford University saying that, you know, that's not really quite what happened. These ideas, like a lot of this other stuff, these ideas were already out there. And uh, Jeff Raskin, who was at Apple, who 
if you're a true nerd, Jeff Raskin should be one of your heroes, was already working on this stuff and used Xerox Park as like leverage to say, look, what I'm working on is is a value, not let's go steal an idea. Um, so there's there's some links in here. You should go check them out. Um, former park employees were already at Apple. Like there's a lot of gray area here. Um, like there is a lot of time with Sherlocking. Um, and th- yeah, that's really kind of what we're talking about. You know, s- there's this quote of great artists steal. And is that, you know, is that what we think is, is happening here? You know, if you're a developer, if you're, you know, if you have created instant paper and reading list comes out, like, where do you stand? I mean, what, what do you guys think? Is that something that as a developer, is that a risk that you just take because you have to, is that just the way that life goes? Or do you think that there's something that could be done about this sort of thing? I think in today's world, you have to appreciate that it could happen. Um, You are on a platform which is owned by somebody else. They have the ability to do whatever they want. It's their platform. They don't owe you anything. Especially Apple, you know, they give off that impression and have in the past. They don't owe you anything. Um, if if it's good for Apple, they'll do it. It doesn't matter if it's not good for you. And you know, and I wonder if uh, how that makes people feel in general. Like, is it right? Is it wrong to to do this stuff? Is Sherlocking fundamentally a good thing or a bad thing? Because you've got the idea of you know, is is it good for users? Um, because you know it, it enables features that people can can use on their Macs or their iPhones for free, or is it bad for developers because it pushes them into the background of an application that they've developed, or is it good for developers because it continually advances the program, keeps them on their toes? Like there's so many, I think, good and bad things that get jump around between Sherlocking. Um, it's kind of it's it's difficult to to gauge, I think. Uh, yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I've been covering apps for for the past five years, and every time, usually in the summer, there's a, like I said, all these articles about apps that have been Sherlocked by Apple. And what I've seen, and what I continue to see every year, is that Apple seen. I mean, to go back to the to the Steve Jobs quote, uh, "We own the Steam tracks, and you just you know you just go on those." and it seems to me that Apple provides a platform for developers to kind of experiment and, and lead the way and try to discover what people want. And we saw, the, we saw this with advanced camera apps. We saw this with Instagrams. Uh, we, we saw this with so many, I mean, the Finder tabs and the extensions and the Finder plugins. Apple gives you the tools as a developer. You're given the, the tools to build and to make stuff and to see if there is a market for, for you know, more advanced solutions and, and if people want those. And at one point, there's the possibility that Apple just, you know, comes in and steals or Sherlock's your app with, by taking a feature and either integrating feature into their own apps or making a dedicated app. But that's uh, rare. To me, it seems like as a developer, you gotta really understand your audience and want what they want and why they're using your app on a fundamental level, right? I mean, if you're a developer of a read later application, you know that people come to your read later app, not because Safari doesn't have the same feature, but because they want a reading environment with complete features. 
And so maybe, maybe there is a Sherlockian aspect for sure to Apple, just taking a look at what developers make and trying to understand what, m what the, the majority of people wants. Because Apple doesn't seem to Sherlock stuff and making a straight up copy with the same advanced features and the same power user functionalities. They, just, they go for the basic stuff. They go for the basic level because they assume that people want the basic solution. So they make reminders. So they put reading lists into Safari and they make the finder have tabs. So if I were a developer, I mean, for sure I would worry about, you know, maybe my app someday is gonna, is gonna be Sherlock by Apple. But if I, were, if, if I were a developer, I would worry more about trying to find an audience that is really committed to my product and trying to make sure that I cover all the basic and advanced features because those are less likely to be Sherlock by Apple. Because of course, Apple wants to provide a platform that has the basics covered. And so maybe next year with iOS uh, 9, gosh, that such a large number. Um, maybe next year we'll hear of, I don't know, Apple is Sherlocking Spotify or Apple is Sherlocking Evernote. But I'm pretty sure if that's going to happen, you're not going to see uh, all the features and all the advanced options. Because every year you see these people saying, oh, this app has been Sherlocked. I'm going to try this app. And then after a few months, the same people say, nope, I'm back to the yeah. third party app that I was using. I've totally and done that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've been guilty of this. And so, yeah, try. Uh, my only suggestion and consideration would be try to really, really understand your audience and what they want and why they're using your product. So I guess analytics would help in iTunes Connect. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think, I think part of this, I think Sherlocking happens for a couple of reasons. There's an idea out there that Apple sees and says, hey, our platform should do this, or we think it'd be good for our, our users. The cynical viewpoint, and one that I I don't really buy into fully, but at the same time, it kind of nags me in the back of my mind, is that has Apple backed itself into a corner with yearly OS releases? You know, They've been on this track now, uh, really since, I guess, 10.7 of... You know, every fall, there's going to be a new OS 10 and a new iOS. Now, a lot of that, there's a lot of benefit to that, especially if you look at iOS 8 and Yosemite, releasing them at the same time with all this continuity stuff that every, that we've been talking about. It's really powerful stuff, and you kind of have to be lock in step with that. But the cynical viewpoint is, okay, if all Yosemite and iOS 8 did was continuity, like, that's really cool, but we need some other things too. And at that point, does some Apple software manager go out and like look in the app store and see what they could steal? I don't think so. But it's definitely something worth considering that Apple has to have sort of a set number of features every year or customers are going to complain. I think it's, it's, it's a natural process, like a natural cycle of things. Developers explore features Developers under maybe discover that people want to put square photos with filters on the internet, um, and <laughs> and you know, yeah, that's a really strange way to say. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a cycle, right? And 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 I guess Sherlocking and the tension that Sherlocking causes between Apple and developers 
it is, it's what keeps kind of this relationship alive because developers can experiment and try to find the market for the products and try to build advanced features over time and trying to build a network like Instagram did. And, and then Apple realizes that, I mean, a solid, healthy platform, an ecosystem with happier users is better for everyone. So maybe WhatsApp is upset because Apple, uh, because Apple stole um, the, the features from, from their messaging app. But uh, I kind of buy into Marco's old point. If Apple is going gonna, is gonna to formalize the popularity of voice messaging, that's better for everybody. Because now voice messages are a thing, officially. And there's a room for other developers to differentiate. And of course, Sherlocking also gives you new APIs, new technologies, because now Apple is interested in, 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 those, in those markets. So, I mean, it, it stings when, when the, the very precise Sherlocking happens, when it's just like growl and notification center. That's awful as a developer. But on average, it's not the case, as we saw. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's Sherlocking. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 55. If you want to give us some feedback, some follow-up, as I'm sure many of you will after an episode like this, there's a few ways you can do that. If you go to that page, you can hit the contact button and you can send us an email. If you want to tweet at the show, we are at underscore the prompt. Um, if you want to get us individually, I am I Mike, I-M-Y-K-E, Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and Stephen is I-S-M-H on Twitter. Stephen also writes at firetallpixels.net, and Federico writes at maxstories.net. Thank you so much for listening to this week's very special episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. We'll be back next week with episode number 56. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios. Can you believe that nobody made an elementary joke?